Are y'all good? Amen. Well, put a smile on your face and act like you're good. <laughs> I just happened to catch Dr. Savell's uh, message um, last week. He was in Minneapolis, and it just went off in my spirit. And so, I'm going to start off talking about some of the things he talked about. And he, maybe he'll preach that here, I don't know, but it'll be different. So Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, and we'll pick up in verse, the Israelites had just come out of Egypt, and they came out with all the gold, the silver, and all the stuff. And they came out with everything. And they were at the Red Sea. And Pharaoh decided he's going to pursue them after he had let them go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. (laughs) And so we pick up in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near... The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. Say, very afraid. Very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Now, Jesus tells us you can only serve one master. You can't serve two masters. You'll love the one, hate the other, you'll be loyal to one, despise the other. That's what Jesus said. So he said, you let us alone that we, that, that we, we could serve the Egyptians, but no, he brought us out. And the reason why Moses brought them out is because God told him to. And the reason God told him to is because he had seen what his people were going through. And it says he heard their cries. So apparently not everything was roses and peaches in Egypt. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Oh, how they forgot what it was like to serve the Egyptians. And their cries were because of their taskmasters and the slavery that they were in. It was slavery. It was bondage. And so Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So we got to address the fear. Don't be afraid. We got to address the fear. Don't be afraid. You're God's, you're God's children. Amen. Amen. Jesus paid a, a price for you. We call it redemption. He redeemed you with his life. And in that redemption, and by his blood, and by his stripes, ye, that's you, were healed. And so, 
The first thing Moses has to deal with when God's people come out of a place where they were dependent on the system and had gotten comfortable in the system. But now they're out of this place. They're out of this system and they're solely dependent on God. Now he was leading them with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And it said that he did not leave them. But this was a new place for God's people. They had known this life as slaves, even though they would not have termed themselves slaves. In fact, they would go on to say, well, they fed us meat there. You know, we ate better. We ate better as slaves, except they wouldn't have said they were slaves. And so Moses deals with the fear first. And then he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which, will, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. That's quite a statement. The Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. In other words, be quiet. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Go forward. They're at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's closing in on them. In a sense, you could say at this point, they were quarantined. And God is telling his people through Moses to go forward. When it looks like everything's impossible, when it looks like death is imminent, go forward. Two simple words. And watch this in verse 17. My son Drew's sitting here on the front row. Drew just graduated from Kenneth Copeland Bible College. And so he just walked. And, uh, we're, we're pleased with him because you can't be proud because, you know, you're ple- we're pleased with him. And, uh, well, when, when I was a kid, I came over from Western Louisiana, over here to Dallas. And there was two water parks. One was called Wet and Wild, and the other one was called Whitewater. Well, one of those uh, water parks, I don't remember which one we went to, but our youth group came over almost every year. We go to a Texas Rangers game, and uh, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero. The, the, they are from Mississippi State, Mississippi State Bulldogs, which is where I was born in Mississippi, and all my, all my relatives... Uh, my kinfolk and them, Pookie and them, they all lived. <laughs> they all lived in Starkville, Mississippi. My papa's apartment was right across the street from, from the Mississippi State uh, football stadium. And so, anyway, so I knew Rafael Palmero and Will Clark. And Will Clark had the sweetest swing. I mean, it was just so graceful. 
But anyway, we came over to this water park. I don't remember which one we were at. And it had this slide that you dropped. It's like, I don't know how many stories up, four, four six, five, six stories. And it was like a free drop is what it seemed like. Well, I was just a kid. And so my youth pastor and the pastor and some other, you know, adults said, we're going to go do this thing. And I looked up there and said, I'm not doing that. And they, they talked me into going up. And I mean, it's this track. Up this, up and up. till finally you get up there and the wind is blowing 75 miles an hour <laughs> when you get up there. And the whole thing's just shaking like this, you know. It seems like. And I get up there, and it's my turn, and I watch them, woo! And everybody screams, they go, woo! You see them at the bottom. And I, I get up there, and I look over the edge, and I said, I ain't doing that. I don't care. I, I'm not prideful. And I took the walk of shame all the way back down. All the way back down. And then I got made fun of. Like everybody, you know, made fun of me. It was very traumatic for me. You know, there's some things that we could talk about in my adult life that came from that. But when I took my son Drew to the water park and we went to Atlantis, and Atlantis has got this uh, slide that it's called the abyss. And the abyss is, is a black hole with a drop. Well, you don't know what kind of drop it is or how far you're up or anything like that. But Drew says, Dad, let's do this slide. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, because I got to be this father. You know, we're brave. We're, fathers are brave. Men are brave. I'm a man now. I am no longer a child. I put away childish things. I no longer walk. I no longer walk all the way back down things. I just don't go up and say, I don't need to do that. I've done them before. So Drew, I'm thinking, hey, I said to him, hey, son, hey, we, we don't have to do this. And he wasn't, he wasn't a scrapping man that he is now. He was, you know, a little boy. And so... Dad, we're doing it. And then, whoo, yay. I was like, I'm not taking the walk of shame this time. So I go forward. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this thing, it's, you're in pitch. You can't see anything. And it's a drop. And I don't know. I just I couldn't see anything. So I just closed my eyes and prayed I wouldn't die. And so we got, we got down to the bottom and it was great. And he didn't want to go up and do it again. I don't think, did you? We got right back in the lazy river and that, uh, that's my illustration about going forward. But there are times where we get to a place that looks scary it looks impossible. The enemy's closing in. Everybody's dying from coronavirus. Everybody. 
So they say. And all this stuff is coming at us. All this stuff. And God's saying, go forward. The Israelites had been in a system that fed them. They had been in a system where they had jobs. They were well fed. They were taken care of. This life had become normal to them. But now they were out of that system. And God had brought them out. And they were at a place where they could only trust in God. Am I talking to anybody tonight? This was different for them. They might have thought as, you know, as children of God that they trusted in God. But now the proof is in the pudding. Do I really trust God? Do I really trust him? Am I totally dependent on him? Because the Red Sea experiences reveal the depth of faith, trust, and dependence on God. It re- they reveal where, where our trust level is. And so in verse 17, it goes on to say, Indeed, I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor. I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Israelites shall know. I'm sorry. Then the Egyptians shall know. The Egyptians shall know. The world shall know. Crowley shall know. Fort Worth shall know. Texas shall know. The United States shall know. The world shall know that I am the Lord. Why shall they know that? Because the people of God go forward. And because the people of God go forward, God gains honor. God gains glory. I haven't told this really, um, but back in March, our business in Michigan deals with uh, the educational system, and we print product for uh, high school athletics and help them raise money. Three days in to the time to sell with these high school sports, Schools were shut down. What that meant for us was tens of thousands of thousands of thousands of printed product, which had a cost, didn't get into the hands of high school athletes, which means that no money came in. Since March, mid-March, our business trickled in money to the few groups that were able to get some stuff out most of it we couldn't get back because they, they shut down school and then school was out. School was out from that point forward. And so we're in a situation that this is never, this kind of thing is never, now God's gotten us through some financial miracles. And 
So what we did was we go and recall those things. And, and uh, we, Lord, we remember the time where the company we worked for went bankrupt. Uh, we had to write a check for $11,000 just to get out of it. And we weren't the one, we were just salespeople. We weren't the ones that had caused the bankruptcy. It was uh, the owner had made a bad investment. It cost everybody. So we had to pay into it. They owed me a check that I never got. And out of that time where I was supposed to get a bonus check from that company and they went bankrupt and I had to pay just to, just to be free, out of that time, we started this business. Out of that time. Here we are 10, 11 years later and this pandemic hits and no money's coming in. It's completely dried up. There's, 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 no, there's not a way for us to make money. So I, go, so I spent probably the first week trying to figure things out. Well, we cover all the angles and then anxiety, worry, stress. Oh, wait. I should pray. So I go to the Lord. I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I've spent this time you know, worried, uh, anxious, trying to figure this stuff out. And here we are. And I begin to pray in the, in the Holy Ghost. And ideas begin to f- come to me flooded, flooded with ideas. So I grab my computer. I start typing, typing on my computer. Two pages of notes. Two pages. And so I sit Nikki down. Have I already told you this? I don't think I have. I sit Nikki down across from the, the kitchen, uh, the, what do you call it? Counter. She's on this side, I'm on this side. Here's my idea. Are you ready? We're going to do this, we're going to do this. It's this app, and, and this, and that. And I think we could do it, and it's going to be a monthly subscription, three bucks a month. What do you think? And she goes, well, actually, I liked all of that, except for the last part, the, the monthly subscription. I was like, <laughs> she always shoots down my ideas. Always. She always shoots down my ideas. Like, if it's not her idea, then it can't be a good idea. <laughs> Am I talking to any man in here? <laughs> so once I swallow that, I... The Lord says to me, I want you to call this, this guy. I said, okay. And so I called the guy. I said, hey, this is a guy that, that, that uh, does this over in the Dakota area. I said, I don't know why I'm calling you. All I know is, is that in prayer, this, this guy's not a Christian. In prayer, uh, I got a bunch of ideas. And here's my ideas. This, 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 and this. So what have you been doing? Why am I calling you? He goes, well, 
All those ideas uh, that you just said, that's what I've been doing for the last year. Except for that subscription thing you talked about. I tried that already and it didn't work. Because Nikki said, no, I would just rather pay for it. I don't want to, I don't want to charge my credit card. You know, she does her head like this. I want to charge my credit card every month. And so this guy says the subscription thing didn't work. And so we're just having people pay for it. So exactly what the Lord gave to me on, I said, so I said to this guy, I said, okay, the Lord told me to call you. The Lord gave me these ideas. So one of two things is about to happen. I'm going to go do this and invest and do it on my own, or we're supposed to join efforts. And so that's what we did. We joined efforts. And so over the last, uh, since March, five, four or five months, we've been working on this. And uh, we launched July the 15th. We, we launched this app that we just created. Since July 15th, we're about uh, almost six weeks in, we've acquired 10,000 customers. Now, I didn't want to change. I didn't want to go forward. I just wanted things to be like they were. Life was good. And that's what Isaac was saying when he went and dug the well. It got stolen from him. So he goes and digs the second well. That one gets stolen from him. That's what, that well's ours. And the scripture says that Isaac moved on from there. Some of us need to move on from there. There's a place God has taken his people that we've never been before. But we need to move on from there, wherever there is to you. But in order for you to move forward, you have to first see yourself moving forward. That man that, that, that they placed at the, at the pool where Jesus came by, he said, well, I don't have a man. This, this became a religious routine for him to get sat at the pool. But he had to first see himself rising and walking. We have to see ourselves. Abram didn't become Abraham until, even though God said, I'll bless you, make father of many nations, and he already told him all this stuff, but until God took him out and he said, look at the stars. Because apparently the picture that Abram had of Abram wasn't that. Abram needed another picture on the inside before it manifested on the outside, before he could move forward. As the father of many. So when, every time he looked up at the stars, he thought, I'm the father of many nations. Wow. And it gave him a picture on the inside of what God wanted him to do. Paul said, forgetting those things which, were, which are behind. I what? Press forward to the things that are ahead. Maybe you've had some good times. Maybe there's been some good times in the Lord. 
But guess what? It's time to move forward. Let's pause right here on that story of the Israelites. We'll come back. Let's talk about David defeats Goliath, right? Saul gets jealous because they're singing. Uh, Saul's slain thousands, but David's tens of thousands. So David's like, wow, this is a little awkward. You know, <laughs> Saul's the king. I can't be taking his, his uh, you know, eminence. So there's this, there's this thing going. So eventually David goes and hides in a cave. Do you know the story? And what happens is that people begin to gather at the cave where David's at. Now, it doesn't really say to us what happens in the cave. But there are 400 men in that cave. 400 in a cave, quarantined. <laughs> this is in First Samuel twenty. If you if you look at Second uh, Samuel like twenty two or twenty three, it tells about those four hundred men in that cave. That this is all that we know about it. It's 2 Samuel uh, 23. It says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And it goes on to tell what those mighty men did. But when they came to David in the cave, in 1 Samuel, in chapter 22. Go there, look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was, watch this, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Now that doesn't sound to me like the kind of church that you want to build, pe- build, build a church on with those kinds of people. They were distressed, in debt, and discontented. But in 2 Samuel, it says that these were the mighty men of David. What happened in that cave? These mighty men, it talked about how courageous they were and the battles that they won and what they did in war and for the, for the kingdom of God. What happened in the cave to the people that were distressed, in debt, and discontented where they became courageous, mighty men of God? I got to believe that that. David taught them faith. Because here's David, 
who had defeated the lion and the bear, and he's facing Goliath. And King Saul says, you're just a youth, but he's been a warrior since his youth. <laughs> you can't fight him, but hey, appreciate the, you know, the thought. But David said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The same God that was with me when I faced the lion. The same God, my God, that was with me when I faced the bear. Is the same God, watch this, who will help me defeat this uncircumcised Philistine. That's, That's key. Because what he's saying is, this isn't just about some man versus man. This is about good versus evil. This is about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. Even though they didn't have revelation of the devil in those days, this is what it was about. Uncircumcised Philistine. So I got to think in the cave that David's saying, look, hey, I called on the strength of God. I relied on him. And when that lion tried to take that sh- my, our sheep, I went after him and I, and I struck him. Yeah. See, David knew because of his relationship with God that God was his helper. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. He delivers us out of all our trouble. He delivers us out of all our affliction. He heals us from all disease. He forgives us from all our iniquities. See, he had this relationship with God where he knew God. He knew that God was his helper and he knew that God was his strength, but he made God that. God is that, but he made God that to him. I got to think he taught these men. Listen, hey, I fought, I I stood in front of Goliath and I just recalled the same battles that God had helped me. You know, it said that David, they they needed somebody to come and play for Saul. What they said about David was, we know a man, a young man. They said he was good looking, but they said he was a mighty man of valor. He hadn't even fought Goliath yet. But he already had this reputation of being a mighty man of valor. And they had heard him playing in the the town or whatever. And so apparently David had this relationship with God where in his personal time with God, he worshipped him. He praised him. God was personal to him. And I got to think in that cave... That David taught these men how to worship God. And this thing where God says, go forward. And all the Egyptians will know that I'll I'll gain honor from you going forward. And I, I remember that song, To God Be the Glory. Remember that old song? How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved. To God 
be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things he has done with his blood. He has, with his power, he has, to God be the glory for the things he, something happened in this cave where these men were quarantined. You know, the disciples were quarantined. Jesus said, stay here in Jerusalem. Until you're endued with power, stay here. And you know what they did? They stayed. You know, one thing that, uh, is it okay if we're, just kind of flowing here. Thank you, Adrian. I don't have $100. On me. One thing about this, about this cave is it said about these men that everyone who was discontented, gathered. Gathered. They gathered together. They gathered. And it says, he became captain over them. You can't become captain over somebody if they don't trust you, yield, submit. Oh, we can't use that word anymore, can we? Oh, this is, the, this is like the, we're in the 2000s. I mean, you can't say submit. No, it's, it's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. You can't submit to a man. You can't submit to God who you can't see. And people think that they can do it without a pastor. People think they can stay home and do it without a pastor. But... Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. And so he set up church and he gave gifts to the body. Because people need a pastor. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a traveling evangelist that knows all the scriptures. They need a pastor. A shepherd over their soul. And so, there's too much arrogance in the body of Christ and not enough submission. (laughs) He puts his pants on the same way I do. But Jesus set it up. So Jesus is the one that thought this is the structure and this is how it's going to be. So, 
I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight because you're here. I mean, I'm just saying. This isn't saying, hey, hey, if you miss church tonight, you're you're not submitted. I'm not talking about that. My point is that, that these people, they gathered. They submitted to this man. He taught them the word. And they became mighty men. And they did some things. Maybe, maybe there were some things in their life that were tough to deal with. Maybe there were some words that David said that wasn't always, you know, sugary. Sometimes there, there might have been something that felt even a little ouchy. But that's how we grow. That's how they became mighty men. Even though I know all of us church folks want everybody to think we have all everything together. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for pastors that pray for your soul. I don't know where, where we're at now. Let's, uh, let's get on to something a little more joyful. To... Is your circumstance bigger than your God or is your God bigger than your circumstance? So when I began to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I didn't want to change. I didn't, I wanted things to just be normal. But this is where the Lord is saying, this is what he's telling me to do. Well, I didn't even know what Zoom was. Does everybody know what Zoom is? Zoom is video conferencing. I didn't even know what that was. I knew what Skype was and uh, because we've been overseas and we'd Skype. But, but Zoom apparently became a thing. And so people get on with their families and they play Pictionary by Zoom. And that's what happened during the quarantine. People were getting on and playing Zoom games. Well, uh, I did a fundraiser through Zoom. And it brought in $30,000. And I sat at my kitchen counter. It, I went, how does this happen? Well, all the sales reps around the country heard about it. And guess who got glory? God got glory because guess what the one guy was saying to everybody? It's because Eric's a man of God. And this is Eric's God. This is, he called him Christ. This is Christ. This guy's, a, this guy's dad's a Muslim. Wow. And he was seeing that Christ had something to do with my finances, what was happening. And so that was something that was out of my comfort zone. I didn't like it. It wasn't comfortable. So then I, I go do another one, this time in person. And it, the same type of situation, and it brought in $43,000. Yeah. 
It was double anything that anybody had done in the whole state and, and around the country. It was the highest sale in the country. They started sending this out all over, the news of this all over, our sales guys. So once that barrier was broken, then other guys started doing 60000 and 70000 because the barrier was broken. But, but not before God got glory. And so those lepers sat there and they said, we can sit here and die or we can charge the camp. Now we may die in there, but at least God's got some things in store for this body. And it's not from us. Staying where we're at. Those men came out of quarantine, out of the cave. Mighty warriors. We're coming out of this thing. Mighty warriors. We've we've taught faith. We've, We've realized as a body of believers where our measure of faith was in this whole thing. There are still people dealing with the fear of it. It's, it, and, it and, and that is a reality for them. But those, those Israelites, I just watched a movie. Harriet Tubman, anybody seen that? Harriet Tubman? Great movie. And Harriet Tubman was a slave and got out. But she wanted other people to experience the freedom that she experienced. So she went back in and started freeing people and showing them the way out. And she would listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. And she, and she would miss uh, uh, places where they had traps set up. And she would go around. because She would stop. It's like the Lord would literally stop her. And we're all of a sudden, we're going to go over here. That's the day we live in right now. Where we have to have total dependence and trust. Those, those disciples in that upper room, waiting to be endued with power from on high. And when the Holy Spirit came in that room and sat on each one of them like a fire and they all begin to speak with tongues. They walked out of there completely changed. It was like putting on Superman's cape as they walked out of there. And that's how we're coming out of this whole thing. Is it's like it's going to be like the, the Superman's cape. And the anointing of God that's and the presence of God that's in us. You know, the Bible refers to, you know, the ark, the Shekinah glory cloud. But we will have the literal, literal presence of God himself. 
And Isaiah 60 describes, and I'll end here. I've got more to say, but we need to. It describes when it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. I read, I read a bunch of commentaries on this. And this is a description of the redeemed Zion. And this, this is a time where he supposes that Zion or the church is sitting sorrowful and exhorts her to awaken and to arise from a state of darkness and mourning. Where even if you haven't experienced it personally, just everything that's seeing, darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness the people. And so inadvertently, because you live here, you see that. And so this is describing a, a people that are sitting there sorrowful and exhorts her to wake up, to arise from this state of darkness. All this stuff you see and get your eyes focused on him and, and enter into a state of light and happiness. And so it says, arise, shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He's in us. And he's on us. And there will be such a a distinct contrast between light and dark. Dark can't do anything about the light. The light overcomes dark every It's a state of affliction and calamity that we're coming out of. What's what's on the other side of the Red Sea? Let's, Let's just say coronavirus is the Red Sea. What's on the other side? I'll tell you what. Supernatural increase. But you can't stay where you're at. There's a deeper walk with God that he's trying to get his people to see. You're going to have to trust me in this dark day. Darkness cover the earth. Gross darkness the people. But, it says, but the Lord will arise over you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. The kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes. In other words, there's a new something that we're supposed to be looking at. We'll be looking at too long this level when we need to be looking here. 
Lift up your eyes all around and see. You shall see and become radiant. Does this help you? Ephesians talked about that. It says, it's, it's referencing Isaiah 60 in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. It says, awake you who sleep from the dead, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Because we don't have much time left before Jesus comes. So we must redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, you pray his perfect will by the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. So do not be drunk with wine in which is... Uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit on a day-to-day basis. Because it's like putting on Superman's cape. Where you're going out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere that the sole of your foot treads is yours. Everywhere that the sole of your foot treads is yours. The reason why we know this is, is and will and has already started to happen is because the Bible says that we're going to be a glorious church when we go out. Amen. Full of glory. Full. What's glory? The presence of God. The power of God. Full. The fullness. The fullness of everything, all in all, of who God is. Completely flooded. Completely flooded with light. But Isaiah 60 says that you have to arise and shine. That means we have a choice. That takes you all the way back to Sunday school, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Thank you. If I had money, I give one to you and one to you. Hide it under a bushel. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. What else? Is that it? Okay. See this jacket? Come here, Adrian. Let's see. This, uh, I like this jacket. You know, this jacket's brand new. And I'm giving it to you. Amen. 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 And uh, 
there's a there's anointing for you. And Father, Lord, by your direction, Father, I thank you for an increase in anointing in Adrian. Lord, the things that, uh, the work that he's doing for you, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray an increase for him in Jesus' name. Lord, may there be miracles as he prays for people on the phone. And Father, I thank you that you anoint his mouth and his words in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand. And Father, this, this anointing, this anointing for your body tonight, I pray that it rests on us right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we receive it right now. We receive the strength, Lord, to face, to face our enemies. No longer... Lord, no longer will we cower at our enemies. We will face them. We will speak the word. We will be bold as lions. In Jesus' name. And I speak boldness over everyone here tonight. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. And the plans, the enemies, the, uh, the schemes of the devil will fall to the ground in Jesus' name. Father, you'll give us eyes to see. You'll give us eyes to see the traps. And the ones for our loved ones, including them. In Jesus' name. Lord, we put our trust in you. We put our trust in you. We'll walk this, we'll walk this, this new walk. We'll go where we've never been before. New levels, new, new levels. There's new levels of, of wisdom. There's new levels of knowledge. There's, there's new levels of, of anointings. There's new levels of healings. The, the gifts, the gifts of healings. There's new levels. And they'll manifest in the marketplace. They'll manifest in the shopping malls, the Walmarts, the grocery stores. There's new levels. God is with you. And he loves these people. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. You are mighty, mighty, mighty warriors. We're not, we're not wimpy. The church is not wimpy. We've been given a power. We've been given authority by Jesus Christ. 
by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. So that's who we are. Amen. 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 God bless y'all.